John 14. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Lord, Philip said, show us the Father and that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time and you do not know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've told you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. You have heard me tell you, I'm going away and I'm coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you may believe. I will not talk with you much longer, because the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me. On the contrary, so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do as the Father commanded me. Get up. Let's leave this place. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus told his disciples that he had to go away. And while they wouldn't be able to follow him immediately, they'd be able to follow him eventually and eternally. According to Luke twenty-two sixty-nine, he was going to the right hand of the Father and he'd prepare a room for them in his Father's house because they're his family. And he's the way they've been adopted into the family. He's the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, he's the only connection point between them and the Father. No one can bridge the gap between mankind and God the Father 
except for Jesus, who is both fully God and fully man. Seeing him was like seeing the Father. For him to claim to be the way, truth, and life, that's huge. When people say Jesus was just a good prophet or a good teacher of morality, they must not know he said stuff like this. C.S. Lewis said that when we're confronted with the statements Jesus made, if he really said these things, then we're forced to recognize him as either a lunatic, a liar, or Lord. Either he was crazy and thought he was God, in which case he was a false prophet, or he was a liar and he knew these things weren't true but still acted like they were, in which case he wasn't a good moral teacher, or he was saying things that were really true, in which case he's Lord. Jesus also said his followers will do greater works than him. Greater? How is that possible? Some think this means his followers will do things that are even more powerful and remarkable than Jesus did, though, honestly, I'm hard-pressed to come up with any examples. Other scholars say the word used for greater here means more. So the verse could be saying something like, you'll continue to do powerful and miraculous works of God even after I'm gone. And if Jesus happens to be referring to actual numbers, then think of all the believers throughout time doing the works of God. Those numbers really add up to more. Regardless of which he meant, he seems to be saying believers will walk in his power. He also said he would give them anything they ask in his name. But there are a few things worth pointing out here. First, this seems to be in the context of walking out his power and doing these miraculous works. We can't just pull these verses out to make them mean what we want them to mean. Second, he said these requests have to be made in his name, which ultimately means in accordance with his will, because his name and his personhood and his will are inseparable from each other. So it's not like he's saying, if you ask me for a Maserati and tack the phrase, in Jesus' name, amen, on the end, then, well, my hands are tied and I have to give you the Maserati. You got me. In fact, he addresses this in the section of scripture we'll read in two days, so put a pin in this and we'll come back to it then. One thing Jesus promises to give to all who believe in him is his spirit. For his disciples, this would happen in about 50 days. God the Spirit has always existed, and we see him throughout scripture, starting way back in Genesis 1-2. In the Old Testament, his presence was most often described as being on people, not in them. He would come to people to empower them for a specific task, then he'd move on. But Jesus said that when he went away, it would be better for his disciples because that would usher in the next part of God's plan, which was for him to send the Spirit to dwell in them and stay. Jesus wanted them to know this was huge because the Spirit would bless them in so many different ways. In verse 17, he said the Spirit is exclusively present with followers of Christ. The world doesn't have him dwelling in them. He certainly works among them, but his relationship to the world is a different one. And in verse 26, he said that the Spirit is the reminder, as in the one who reminds. He helps us recall what Jesus has said and done. This idea may have sounded scary to his followers. After all, it would have been still so unknown and unfamiliar to them. So Jesus kept reiterating the joy and peace he had in store. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. The fullness of joy that comes from his presence gives us peace and comforts us in our troubles. Knowing him and having him dwell in us is the best gift ever. He's with you. And he's where the joy is. I'm Tara Lee Cobble, and you're listening to the He's Where the Joy Is podcast presented by LifeWay. LifeWay.